Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Today we're wrapping up the series that we're in, Walk in the Light. Walking in the Light, and this is our scripture. Let's read the scripture together. This is our, our, our key text. This is First uh, John chapter 1 as we wrap up this series. Would you read it with me? It says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Lots of talk in there about sin and lies, sins and lies, because here's the thing, we all, we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and we've all, I've sinned, okay? It's, it's, sin is getting out of alignment with God, walking from his ways, and this whole message was about walking in the light, walking in the power, walking in the authority, walking in all that God has for us. So today, as we continue now, we're in, we're in the last chapter, 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to focus on these first five verses real quick. So Lord, before we dive into this, Lord, let the words of my mouth... The meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, we need your word today. Lord, we don't just need cool hockey jokes today. We need your truth. Though thank you for the cracking last night. But Lord, we just pray, let your word penetrate our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I just pray to the Lord whatever is in my heart, and that's in my heart. So, 1 John chapter 5, starting at verse 1, it says this. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. We'll come back to that. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world... And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Say our faith. Our faith, yes. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? But I want to begin that as we dive into this, there's something that keeps coming up throughout all of this, and it's the importance of love. We need to recognize that as we walk in the light, as we follow God, love is the foundation. Now, in this section, John, he he starts off by restating the priority of Christ because if you've been with us, you know that John, he wrote this because he was combating a lot of false teachers and he was addressing something that we know today to be Gnosticism, which is really, it's just, it's a reordering of your faith and just kind of making it to where instead of God is in charge or I'm in charge and I have this divine light inside of me, which we know is a lie. So John begins by asserting, by saying that everyone who believes in that Jesus is the Christ, has been born of God. Is that priority of Jesus. See, the enemy knows if he can separate us from Jesus, he can destroy our lives. But then he goes on to say, everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. See, John, he quickly moves to this word love. 
And in this, these, these five very short chapters, very, very easy to read but so rich in doctrine, John talks about love 33 times. 30, I know, right? 33 times he talks about love. And here's the thing to keep in mind, that if somebody keeps saying the same thing over and over and over to you, there are two things that are true. The first thing is that it's very important. And the second thing is, but you're not getting it, right? If you ever, has anyone ever said to their mom, mom, stop nagging me? This is sin confession, okay? Here's the thing. If you think your mom's nagging you, it's because she's telling you something very important and you're not getting it, right? Any mom here that loves a nag, raise your hand. You're like, I love it. <laughs> no. Moms hate it, but they love you so much and they're so compelled by the love, they're like, you need to know this. You need to get it and you're not getting it. And here's why. As it relates to love, and the reason why John and everyone keeps in the Bible keeps talking about it, we know that God is love, but we keep falling back into the trap of this worldly love to where love is just about feelings, right? Just, it's all about the way we feel, and, and, and it's about the moment. And here's the thing. I love feelings. I had great feelings last night. But my feelings were up and down. I'm talking about the cracking game, Okay. I also had feelings of exhaustion and pain because uh, for Stephanie's Mother's Day, her love language is acts of service. So I've been serving in the, in the yard. She loves her yard. And so I've been serving. Did I do okay? Was it all right? Yeah. So. Uh, so I had feelings of soreness, but during the game, I had feelings of just great joy, had feelings of great fear. I had feelings of a lot of things. Because the thing about those kind of feelings, they come and go. They're up and down. They're easily manipulated based on whether things go your way or don't go your way. And a lot of times when we think about this, we think about, about love just being this feeling, and we find ourselves filled with anxiety and fear because we're only at the surface level of love. And on Mother's Day, I mean, we're reminded of our mother's love. I mean, I have lots of wonderful, just these wonderful memories of my mom. And, and he, even for us, you know, it's when the, the first time that we held our baby... I mean, my heart was bursting with joy. I mean, it was just overwhelmed. When I held Riley, we adopted our oldest son, Riley, but I got to be there when he was born. I got to hold him. I got to give him his first bath. Stephanie did some things too, but we're talking about me right now. We, <laughs> we were filled with this deep joy, just holding him, walking with him, and we had this great emotion with everything. I mean, we cried, we wept. It was amazing. And I think everyone experiences that, right? It's like you have this amazing gift coming in, and you're like, I will always feel this way about my child. But, well, but there's more. Because the circumstances leading up to that day and the circumstances that follow it for all of our children, great excitement, but also great pain. We went through years of infertility. We went through years where we had miscarriages. We went through all of this stuff leading into it, and then we have our son, and then we had our other kids and everything. But then following after that, even though you may look at the baby and go, you know what, all I want to do is look at your face 24-7. By day three, you start craving sleep again. <laughs> and then you get several weeks in, and you're like, these kids are messy. These kids are expensive. These kids go through diapers like crazy. Why? It's a lot. 
the feelings of love, that, the feeling of euphoria, all these things that are happening, when you're in the moment of it, you're now experiencing a different kind of love. You're experiencing a love that is, is not just based on a feeling. You're based on a love that is not just based on just how you're feeling in that moment, but you're based on a love that's a commitment to where you're like, I love this child. I would do anything for this child. This is the love that we're talking about. And I think especially on Mother's Day, this is especially important because, let's face it, moms excel at this, don't they? <laughs> moms excel at this. And even as the kids raise and they, they grow up and they get going, it's often the moms that will stay up all night because they're praying for the kids. They're worrying about the kids. Now, dads pray too, but of all the moms I've seen, I've seen moms really excel in this area. They walk through. This is the kind of love that we're talking about. We're, we're talking about this, this sacrificial love because this is the love that God would pour into us, the sacrificial. It's, it's, it's the one, it's a commitment. And it's so committed that God makes this statement to us. That, and this is what John leans into. It's the commitment of that he will never leave us and never forsake us. And never means whether you're serving him or whether you make a mistake or you're walking off. There's a commitment that God makes based on his agape, sacrificial love, even dying for us on a cross to never leave us, to never forsake us in our lives. And this is the foundation that we stand on. And it's so important that even when you look back to, to the Old Testament, it's the promise that God made to Joshua as he was preparing to enter the promised land. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. It's the promise God made to Jacob. It's the promise that he made to King Solomon. I feel like I'm writing a song here. It's the promise that he made to the poor. It's the promise that he made to the needy in Isaiah. And it's the promise that Jesus made to all believers in Matthew 28. This promise to never leave us, never forsake us. And it's so important and it's so restated that we see this descriptor of who God is, that God is love, not that he has love, but he actually is love because this is the foundation that provides stability in our lives, that we're standing on this strong, deep, committed love from God, this commitment that God loves me, he'll never leave me. And not only that, we also see in Scripture that because the evidence of God's love in us is so important, that the evidence that we have this love is evident in how we treat others. John keeps talking about that. The Bible keeps talking about that. If you say that you love God but you hate your neighbor, you lie. You're deceived. You're, you're not walking in it. You're not filled with it. It's like coming up to me and saying, you know, Dwayne, man, I love you, but I, I hate your kids. We're going to have a problem. Because I love my kids. Now, are they frustrating you? Yeah, but so do I, <laughs> right? If you love God, you're going to love those around you. If you love God, you're going to make commitments. You're going to be in those, those ways where we commit to one another because this is the power of the body of Christ that, again, John keeps talking about. That's why when the Bible talks about the body of Christ, the church, what we're doing right now, God describes this as the family of God. And family is going to have great moments, and how many have had tough moments in your family? How many are like, I'm going through a tough moment right now? But we're family. We're family. We stick together. And see, John, he continually lays out the importance of this. And he lays out the importance of being connected to the body of Christ and coming together and how this is evidence of God's love because without this, you will not survive. See, the enemy knows, Satan knows, if he can disconnect you from the church, from the body of Christ... 
He can isolate you and he can destroy you. And I've seen it time and time and time again. Is church perfect? It's not perfect because I'm in charge. It's not perfect because you're here. But we work together. We love each other through the love of Christ and we're transforming. We work together and we're built together and we encourage one another and we're tested in our walk and we're strengthened all the way through. And as we commit to one another, the love of God flourishes here and it changes the world around us. And this has all been outlined, but this is the evidence, God's love that he's in us, that we walk in it, that it's the foundation that we stand on. And as we walk through this, John is pointing to another key evidence today as well. And so he goes on from saying that love's the foundation, and he goes to the second point, and he talks about evidence because evidence was so important to John. John keeps talking about this is the evidence, this is the evidence, this is how you will know, because we like evidence, don't we? We like Googling. We like, we, we like seeing, you know, prove it to me, show it to me. I want to see what's happening. And John is saying that this evidence of the love of God, this evidence that you love God, the proof of the love of God in our lives will be this thing, and it's obedience, it's obedience. He says, the evidence of God's love in us is that we obey him. 1 John 5, 2-3, it says, By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God, and we do what? Obey his commandments. And then he says it again, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. See, obedience, it's vital in our walk with God and with others. It's so vital that Jesus, the disciples, the prophets, they all pointed to the power that accompanies the obedience of God. See, the power of God, it accompanies the obedience to God. I mean, we see this in Luke 11 when Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. In Exodus it says, if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. In Isaiah it says, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And Jesus even said, I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. See, the power of God, it always follows the obedience of God. And here's why. Obedience reveals that I've heard God. When I'm walking in obedience, it reveals that I'm listening to God, that I've heard God, and hearing is essential. I mean, how many parents would go, man, listening is so important. Yeah. Because here's the thing. It's so essential in any relationship that if you're in a relationship and you're not listening, you don't have a relationship. If any relationship you have, if you are not listening, if you're just talking all the time or you're not paying attention to the other person, you don't have a relationship. And see, hearing is so important that Jesus, he even connected God's power to it in our lives, to our ability to hear and to respond, and he called this faith. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 17. Jesus said that if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus is saying that faith is key as we walk with God in our lives. And he's saying that the key to this is faith. And so how do we get this type of faith to where we're walking with God and, and we're walking in this obedience where the power of God is in us? Well, Paul laid this out. Paul said in Romans 10, he said, faith comes by what? Hearing. It's that listening word again. 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. See, listening to God, being good listeners is so important to the point to where if you're struggling with your faith, maybe you have a hearing problem. Maybe I have a hearing problem. I mean, when our kids struggled with listening, sorry kids, I'll buy you lunch today. When our kids struggled with listening, which translates to obeying, Stephanie had a key thing that happened. The first time she did this, they laughed at you, but I laughed as well. It was my fault. But they weren't listening, and I remember her getting down and just kind of gently turning their head. And she looked at them and she said, Turn your ears on! <laughs> right? She grabbed it. And it was so, oh, oh man, I wish I had an iPhone back then. It was just, it was amazing just the way that you described it and you see it. Because what she was saying is that, you know what, you've got an obedience problem, but your obedience problem goes back to you're not listening. You're not listening. And like moms to their kids, here's the thing. God is speaking. His voice goes out. It is like a thunder. It is out there. But the problem is not that God is not speaking. That's not the problem with us listening. The challenge is that we are often deaf to his voice. God is speaking. He's your father. He, he has so many things to tell you. He's written it. He's revealed it. It's all there. But if we're walking to a point and we're in a point where it's like, boy, I just don't, you know, God's not speaking. The problem is not God. He is perfect in all of his ways. The problem is me, that I've grown deaf to his voice, that my, my ears are not tuned into him. And we know that one of the biggest things that can cause healthy ears to go deaf is noise. Noise in our life. I mean, we're surrounded by noise all the time. I've got, I've got AirPods. I've got all kinds of stuff going in and on in my ears and the problem is, when we crank up everything but God in our life, we're not going to hear God. Because God doesn't force himself on you. Now, there have been times that I've heard God shout in my life. It was a warning. But love is not coercive. God offers all this. He reveals it. He speaks it. He's written it. It's all there. But he's not coercive. And he's speaking. But if I have a problem that I'm not hearing his voice... Often in my life, it's because I've cranked up everything else. And it can even be good things. Maybe I'm, I'm spending more time in YouTube or in Netflix or in anything. I mean, anything can distract us from the voice of God. And here's the thing. I don't care how talented you are, you can't listen to two things at once for very long. Can you? Right? If you try to talk to me when I'm watching the crack, the crack and play in the playoffs, you may not like the version of Dwayne that you see. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Sorry, honey. <laughs> right? You can't listen to two things at once. Are you going to listen to God or are you going to listen to everything else? I love it. That's why the, the psalmist wrote, I think it's in Psalm, yeah, Psalm 46. Psalmist wrote that we need to be still and to know that he is God. That's why we see so many times throughout Scripture how the Lord, he leads people by still waters. He, he'll lead them to the wilderness. He'll withdraw. Even Jesus did this. He regularly withdrew. He said, disciples, I want you to go that way, and now I'm going to go this way. Because, yes, we need to be together, but we need to have those times 
I encourage all of our team to schedule prayer and fasting retreats where we're away from everything. We shut everything off. And that whole fasting where I'm, I'm trying to thin my life so I can thicken my communion with God because I need to hear God. Because yes, faith without works is dead, but I need to hear God because faith comes by hearing. So we need to hear God. And that's why obedience is so important because when we're walking in obedience, it reveals that, yes, God, I'm hearing you. Yes, God, I'm seeking your voice. But we also see that obedience, it reveals that we are walking with God. When we are obeying God, that's the evidence that John talks about, that now, yes, I'm walking with God. That's why James says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show up by your actions, right? So we need to hear God, but we need to act it out. He says, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food, no clothing, and you say, goodbye, and have a good day, and stay warm, and eat well. (laughs) But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. That's the power of Josh's testimony. He's like, I was praying, and I was like, God... If I'm praying, I'm hearing, I'm seeing, I want to do something. That's why we have all of Crest with us today, going, God, what, how can we respond? What are some things you can call us to do? What are some ways that we can step up? See, obedience, it reveals that we're walking with God, but in obedience, it reveals that we're in unity with God. How good and pleasant it is when we dwell in unity, because when we are unified together as the body of Christ, standing on the love of God, walking in obedience, the Lord in us creates an unstoppable force that the gates of hell cannot prevail against as we walk in unity with him. If I step off my own and I'm just a maverick doing my own thing, there's no power in that. There's destruction in that. But when I'm walking with God, obeying God, even the tough things, unity is tough. I don't think anybody went through COVID and went, unity is easy. It's tough. It's hurtful. It costs you. If anyone wants to follow Christ, Jesus said, deny yourself. Lay down your life. Take up your cross and follow him. There's a cost to it. That's why unity is a big revealer. That yes, God, I trust you, I'm walking with you. And as we do this, the world around us, and the Bible refers to this several times, that when we walk in unity, the world around us, those who, when the the Bible says the, the world is talking about people that are not walking with God, those that don't know God, those that are rejecting God, those that are ignoring God, when they see something unified, they stand and they stare. And they go, how is that happening? It reveals that. And as we walk in that, obedience does something else. Obedience, it reveals trust. All of these are many sermons. I'm just going quickly. See, obedience, when we obey God, when we're walking God, and the reason why John's leaning into it, because obedience then, it builds trust. See, love is given. Love is given. I love you. Trust is earned. I love you. Can I have the keys to the car? No. You want the keys to my car? Here's how you do it. You get old enough, you go, you take a class, you pass that class, you drive with me with you, and we walk around and we see these other things. Right? We all do that, right? No one hands his hands over the keys. 
Why? Do I love you? Yes. And because I love you, we're going to build some trust here. We're going to lay some things out here. This is how we treat our kids. We promise to love them, to care for them, to raise them, to do all that. But as it relates to trust, this is something that's earned because it's good for you. It's good for me. We need to build those things. See, every great dream that God has given to people was always preceded by a time of testing and a time of strengthening to get you ready for the dream. He gave Joseph a dream back in the Old Testament where his brothers would bow before him. Joseph thought, this is great. You know what? He went to his brothers and said, God just told me that you're going to bow before me. He was thrown in a pit. His dad, they told his dad that he was killed. He ended up going into slavery. He ended up going into jail. He went through a whole process. Is the dream still alive? Yes. Joseph needed some strengthening. Joseph needed some preparation. I mean, anybody that would go to their brothers and tell them that you're going to bow before me and think that they would just do that? Not my brothers. <laughs> There's a preparation. This is true for everything. See, God doesn't swing blunt tools. He takes the axe and he sharpens it. He takes the tool and he refines it. Any of you that have done woodworking, I did a little bit of that over the winter. One of the first things that they say is before you do anything, you take your chisel and you sharpen it first. Do you know why? Not just is the end product good, but if you're working with a blunt tool, you can get hurt. Because you'll start applying force that you shouldn't apply. And as a result, you'll hurt yourself. God in his great love calls us to walk in obedience because there's a dream, there's a plan, there's a purpose, there's an opportunity in front of you. But before you get there, he's going to prepare you because he loves you, because he knows you. This is the truth for everyone. I think it's why I love the Old Testament because it lays out in details just everything. And obedience, it brings us in because the opposite... The opposite of obedience, when we obey, we're walking in unity with God, we're walking in the power of God, we're walking in the strength of God, we're walking in the fullness of what God has for us, and we're walking in a place to where, when you see somebody who is obeying God, and I've seen this time and time again, when you see a young person falling obedient for God, people line up and say, how can I invest in that young person, don't you? You see someone, they're fervent for God, they're walking, they're not perfect, no one's perfect, we all know that, but they're, they're pursuing him. They stand behind that and say, how can I help you? How can I invest in you? How can I pour into your life? Because you're walking in God. God's going to do something great in your life. That's the power of obedience. And, but the opposite of this is also true. Disobedience destroys us. Disobedience, it weakens us. And when you're in a place where there's disobedience, when you're in a body of Christ, when there's disunity, there is chaos in the place. Things are torn down, and nobody can invest in a place like that. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about all those things. And the sad thing is when we disobey God, we miss out on what he has for us. If we could only get a glimpse of what God has for us, and again, this is not a prosperity thing. I'm talking about being a part of God's plan and God's purpose because as we talked about last week, he has the victory, he has the power, God wins, he has won. The battle is with us. But when we disobey God, we miss out on everything that he has. We miss out on the opportunities. This, this was the sadness of Samson. Disobedience 
caused his strength to be removed. King Saul, his disobedience disqualified him as king. For Moses, his disobedience prevented him from entering the promised land. How sad. And even for Judas, his disobedience, it ended in him losing his life and missing out on being a part of the disciples. He saw everything. He had a front row seat to everything. And the thing in this, and that John states, and I love this statement, John makes this statement. He says, as it relates to obedience, obedience, it's not burdensome. Amen, Eden. Obedience is not burdensome. Now, the first time I read that, I was like, what? Because how many have found that obedience can be burdensome? Does it get heavy to anybody? Right. It gets heavy to me sometimes. It's like, it's like this paradox. But John says, he says, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. It's like, John, what are you talking about? Well, I think we need to lean into that word just a little bit, and I'm almost done here. But John didn't say it's easy. He didn't say obeying God is easy, right? It's not, because great things are hard. That's why I shared that earlier when we're talking about foster care and everything, that when you look to the Bible, and I heard a pastor say this so strongly just this past week, that he said, if it's difficult, it's God. If it's hard, it's God. If it seems impossible, it's God, because God does impossible things. God does difficult things in our life, and he wants to do it in our life to strengthen us. So John's not saying it's easy. He's saying that it's, it's, it's not burdensome. And when we talk about burden, burden means a weight. It means that you're carrying something. And what John is saying, he's saying that when we are walking in the light, when we're walking in obedience with God, when we have aligned ourselves with all the power, all the authority, everything with God, he's saying that obeying God is not heavy. And here's why. Because God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, So that whosoever believes in him, aligns their life with him, says, yes, you are the God. I surrender my life to you, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then Jesus, he told us in Matthew 11, he said what? He said, you don't have to to carry all these burdens. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle, I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls as you're walking with Jesus. And then he says, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I've experienced moments of this. When we were in Honduras, you put a Canadian in Central America, they melt. (laughs) I have six years of French. I was on YouTube every night, my hotel room was saying, Conda esta la metrica centrica. I'm trying to learn, right? (laughs) I'm trying to learn all this stuff. I know, it's not great. But here's the thing. Nothing lit me up more. Yes. Nothing lit me up more. Was it heavy showing up to the job site every day? No. I walked away from there every day, yes, sweaty and all that, but my soul was full because I was serving in an area that God has called us to. And as a church, we've been serving there since 2006. I just said, God, thank you. Thank you. Because when you align yourself with God, yes, there are difficult things, but 
His yoke is easy and his burden is light because I'm walking in Jesus' power. I'm walking in his power. I'm walking in his authority. I'm walking in all that he has. And that's why in my life, the older that I get, the more mature that I get, if I find myself that I'm fighting something or it's difficult, I need to stop for a minute and say, Jesus, am I fighting the yoke? Because if you've ever seen an animal that's been yoked up and they're fighting it, they are getting exhausted. But when I'm yoked with Jesus... And when I feel it turn and I turn, when I feel it stop and I stop, when, and when I feel like Jesus, Jesus was great at Sabbath. I mean, they, they criticized him, but Jesus, he had a Sabbath where he rested and he, and he went away. And even when the Pharisees said, what are your disciples doing eating? He said, no, Sabbath is for them. Let them eat. If you need rest, he's going to bring you to a still water. He's going to bring you to those places that you need. So if you're finding it heavy, if you're finding it burdensome, and you're walking with Jesus, you need to ask yourself, Jesus, am I fighting you? Is it going to be difficult? Yes. But as it relates to this, it's like, Jesus, help me. Show me. Because when you're walking in unity, what gets accomplished will just blow your mind. And then John ends all this by saying one thing. He said, look, here's the goal. And here's the goal of this whole series. John's saying that the goal of all this is eternal life. It's eternal life. He says, I've written all this to you who believe in the name of the Son so that you may know you have eternal life. Your soul, this life is just this much. Francis Chan did this amazing analogy where he just unfurled this rope and he said, oh, this rope, he said, there's about an inch of tape, and he wrapped it. He said, this is the life that we live. The rest of that rope, it's eternity. Why would I focus on this when there's a whole eternity in front of me? Live for the Lord. Walk in the light. Let that obedience be alive in you. Take it on. Engage. I find myself, the more that I engage, I want to be around you. I'm strengthened by being around you. Because, see, church is not just about coming together and just soaking in and being consumers. That's called Fred Meyer, okay? Church is where we come, and Hebrews says, to encourage one another, to admonish one another, to pray for one another, and to come and to just lay it out. And then as we are filled and encouraged by the body of Christ, then we go out and we are salt, we are light to everybody around us. And the more that I engage with people, the more that I talk to people about Christ, the more I want to come in here and be encouraged and know the Word of God so that when I get out, I'm aligned with His truth, I'm walking in the power. And then I go out and I walk in the power, and I come back here and I say, all right, let's be encouraged. God, speak to me today. Help me today. We, we make disciples here and say, do you want to join me on the bus? Let's go ride the bus and let's talk to some people today and tell them about Jesus. Or let's go to the hospital and pray for some people today. Or let's just walk to the parks and say, God, is there somebody here that I can talk to? I'm not talking about going out and just, you know, just being weird, okay? I'm not talking about doing a sign on the corner. I'm talking about getting to know people. Jesus walked with people. He invited them to their, uh, he invited himself to the home, <laughs> Be careful with that one. But walking out with Jesus, getting to know people, talking to people. Because John's saying when you walk in the light, you're inviting people to this eternal life, this eternity. Why would you want to give up on that? And when you think about all this, it's not heavy. Practicing is not heavy when I know the fruit, the reward. 
let's walk in his light. Let's allow our lives to be transformed. We have such an opportunity. We have so many opportunities. And God is saying, would you join with me in my plan for the world, God's plan for the world, trusting him, his power, his source, obeying and trusting. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together today. Stand if you can. And Jesus, Lord, in this moment, we know faith without works is dead. So, Lord, help us now to respond to your word. We're going to take just a few moments to respond. Just a few moments. And here are some questions just to prompt you. And it's the question that God asked Adam, where are you today? Where are you? Ask, where are you today? Are you walking with God? Or are you following from a distance? God is saying, draw near. Draw near. Walk with God. As it relates to obedience, is there any area of obeying God where it feels tough? Any area right now in your life where you know what's right, but it feels like a burden? Ask yourself, why does it feel that way? I know this is what God says, but boy, it's heavy. Wrestle with that. And then that last one, what is God asking you to do? Two discipleship questions. What is God speaking to you? What are you going to do about it? Father, we thank you for your love. Father, we thank you uh, for your patience with us and your invitation, Lord, that leads us. It's your, it's your kindness that leads us to, to confession, to repentance. Because, Lord, in that, Lord, we find strength, we find hope, we find all that we need as we run to use. So, Lord, thank you for today. And, God, I pray this just wouldn't be just a moment that passes, but, Lord, let it be a catalyst, Lord, that as we walk with you that propels us to those next steps of today, of tomorrow, of everything you have for us. As we walk in your light, we give you thanks and we give you glory. And everyone said together, amen, amen, amen. Well, here's our benediction. Let's say this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.